fairy prince and princesses. So today I'm going to be your godmother to explain this story of Rapunzel. I came across this Dunkin' Donut coffee commercial about uh, Rapunzel and how she rejected the prince over her coffee and she'd rather stay in her tower prison with a fancy kitchen. Don't care about any sort of savior to come after her and save her from this imprisonment. So she rejected the beauty of the earth, the mountains, everything that God provided, the beautiful trees, the beautiful environment. Her husband-to-be in the story chose instead to stay a prisoner. So I thought it was kind of spiritually connected to how society is living today. They rather accept their prison as long as their creature comforts are given to them, reject the salvation of God over this demonic, satanic imprisonment as long as they get what they think they want and need. In this case, she traded everything away for a cup of coffee. That's the message that this commercial is giving. So I'm going to be talking about the origins of this folklore and how the plot is actually disgusting itself and how the story originally as a German folklore, which the Grimm brothers eventually took the story, wrote it down and published it, and then thereafter becoming really truly famous through Disney productions of this original folklore that's been changed and told as a romantic story, feel-good story when it's anything but in the original folklore. And then it doesn't end there. That's actually the beginning of where this uh, story got twisted and demonically charged and named. True origins of the story, which is from um, this woman in around 1500s. Her name was St. Barbara, Catholic story and a saint that she became a Christian martyr. That's where the story ended up changing and adapting to what it ended up being in this commercial today. So let's watch this and we'll come back to the folklore. Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair. Sack! Oh, she just gave the sack. Right. Hmm, that's great. You're great! I'm, I'm here to save you! I have Duncan, so I'm good. Cool. I think we should see other people. Why don't you just let your hair down so we can talk about this face to face? No, 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 no. You know what? If you could just let your hair down just a little bit down. No, 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 no. You're so far away, I can't hear you. So, well, it made the prince desperate. I mean, I wouldn't be desperate if that kind of attitude anyway. You know, her attitude was, let's see other people. She expecting other eligible prince to come down and save her from the tower whenever she's good and ready after her coffee. The origins of Rapunzel. First, let us look at the story of Rapunzel itself. The story of Rapunzel was first published in 1812 by the Brothers Grimm in one of their first compendiums of tales entitled Children's and Household Tales. This was collected from some less well-known collections composed by 18th century German folklorists such as Friedrich Schultz and tales which the Grimms had collected orally from individuals whom they met while traveling around Germany. The plot of Rapunzel is complex. It begins with a couple living next to a large compound consisting of a vast garden and a tower belonging to a reclusive woman. They have little to do with the woman, whom we later learn is a sorceress and who owns the tower and the garden. But soon, the couple finds themselves drawn towards the compound as she becomes pregnant and begins to crave a type of salad green which they spot growing in the garden next door. This plant is generally believed to have been the Campanula repunculus, a salad green known as the bellflower. 
Bizarrely, the pregnant woman is adamant that she must eat some of the Campanula repunculus even as she begins to lose weight, threatening the life of the unborn. In despair, her husband agrees to break into the sorceress's garden to obtain some of the bellflowers, and his first foray is successful. He scales the wall of the compound and finds some of the plants before returning home and giving them to his pregnant wife, but now she becomes obsessed with eating them. In the days that follow, he repeatedly breaks into the compound to obtain more and more of the flower until one day, while he is escaping from the compound, the sorceress catches him. This act is the genesis of the myth of Rapunzel. The sorceress now insists that the couple hand over their child when it is born as punishment for having broken into her garden. They begrudgingly agree that the child is indeed handed over in the course when a baby girl is born. The sorceress names her Rapunzel after the plant which her mother was so obsessed with eating, and as she grows up, the sorceress locks her up in the tower within the compound. There she grows up as a teenager with long golden hair. Then, one day a prince comes through the area and hears Rapunzel singing from the tower. He is entranced by her voice and drawn to see what the source of it is. Eventually, he manages to find his way into the tower, and he and Rapunzel fall in love. But they must navigate the ill demeanor of the sorceress, and although the prince attempts to explain the situation to her when he does, the sorceress cuts off Rapunzel's hair. She casts her out of the tower and the compound altogether. She is left to wander the wilderness, seemingly helpless, given that she has not known anything other than the tower and the garden for her entire life. When the prince returns and learns what has happened, he throws himself from the tower and is blinded. He spends years there after wandering the wilderness. But eventually, the story has a happy ending. One day, as he is wandering blindly through the forest, they meet each other, having heard each other singing. When they meet, the prince's sight is miraculously restored, and he learns that Rapunzel has given birth to twins, a boy, and a girl. In the interim, the family heads back to the prince's kingdom, where they live happily ever after. So this is the salad that the pregnant woman in the folklore craved so much that she sold her baby to a witch just to eat the salad. The story in itself is ridiculous as it came out to be a folklore, which was adapted from a, another story, uh, St. Barbara, where she was uh, a Christian martyr in around 1500s. So I find that very interesting that it really started as a Christian story, Christian martyrdom, by a woman living in a pagan world that came to faith after her being imprisoned by her father and ultimately having enough miracles and martyr that she became a saint uh, in the Catholic religion. Saint Barbara is a much-loved saint whose feast is celebrated universally on December 4th. This story took place in the 3rd century. Hence, there are many historical inaccuracies presented in the legends. This episode brings to you the most common version of this amazing saint's life. Saint Barbara, also known as the Great Martyr Barbara, was an early Christian Greek martyr, born mid-3rd century in Heliopolis, Phoenicia. Her father, the pagan Dioscorus, was a rich and illustrious man in the Syrian city of Heliopolis. After the death of his wife, he devoted himself to his only daughter. Barbara grew to become a very beautiful woman, and her tales of beauty and wisdom traveled across borders. At this time, the Christian faith had only been welcomed by the poor and needy. Dioscorus was a devoted believer in the Greco-Roman religion. He hated this new religion that was getting popular in Roman society. He was afraid that his daughter would get influenced by Christian values too, 
so he decided to lock her up away from people. Dioscorus ordered to build a huge tower. He shielded Barbara from the world by locking her high up within the tower. Barbara spent years in the tower. She got her food and laundry by way of a basket on a rope. She was taught by pagan teachers who taught her about their gods. From the tower, there was a view of hills stretching into the distance. By day, Barbara was able to gaze upon the wooded hills, the swiftly flowing rivers, and the meadows covered with a mottled blanket of flowers. During night, she looked and marveled at the shining moon and the stars in the sky. She often pondered about the first cause and creator of so harmonious and splendid a world. Gradually, she became convinced that the soulless idols her father worshipped were merely the work of human hands. She realized that the idols could not have made the surrounding world. One day, a stranger put a book about Christianity in the basket for laundry. Barbara got the book, and she started reading it. After reading the book, she longed to learn more about the religion. As Barbara grew older, her father, Dioscorus, began presenting men to her for marriage. She refused them all and warned her father that his persistence could forever damage their relationship. Dioscorus allowed for Barbara to leave her tower, hoping some freedom would change her attitude. After years of seclusion, she was finally free. She roamed around the gardens and streams she used to see from the tower. Barbara also used this opportunity to meet other Christians. They taught her about the Lord Jesus, the Holy Trinity, and the Church. Through the providence of God, a priest arrived in Heliopolis from Alexandria, disguised as a merchant. After instructing her in the mysteries of the Christian faith, he baptized Barbara, then returned to his own country. During this time, a luxurious bathhouse was being built at the house of Dioscorus. By his orders, the workers prepared to put two windows on the south side. But Barbara, taking advantage of her father's absence, asked them to make a third window, thereby forming a trinity of light. As she was the daughter of their employer, the workers complied. On one of the walls of the bathhouse, Barbara traced a cross with her finger. The cross was deeply etched into the marble, as if by an iron instrument. Later, her footprints were imprinted on the stone steps of the bathhouse. Barbara's bathhouse became a place full of healing power, and many miracles occurred there. St. Simeon Metaphorstes even compared it to the stream of Jordan. On his return, Dioscorus was surprised to see the third window, and he inquired into the meaning of this addition. Barbara replied that she had converted to Christianity, and that three windows symbolized the three faces of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dioscorus went into a rage, grabbed a sword, and was on the point of striking her with it. Barbara, quick to respond, fled before her father could strike her. Dioscorus followed Barbara, running behind her, holding the sword. Barbara saw a hill down the road, and as she approached it, by some miracle, the hill opened and hid Barbara within a crevice. When Dioscorus arrived at the scene, he couldn't find Barbara anywhere. He climbed up the hill, but Barbara wasn't there. He searched for her down the hill, but with no luck. Where could she have gone, wondered Dioscorus. After a long and fruitless search for his daughter, Dioscorus saw two shepherds on the hill. He asked them if they had seen his daughter. The first shepherd denied, 
but the second betrayed Barbara. He showed him the cave where Barbara was hiding. Some legends indicate that later he was turned to stone and his flock was turned into locusts. Dioscorus dragged his daughter out of the cave and started beating her. Barbara did not cry, and she told him that she would suffer till the end for Jesus Christ. He then took her home and locked her up. He ordered his servants to not give her any food until she renounced her new religion. After a week of starving, when Dioscorus asked Barbara if she would renounce her faith now, Barbara refused. Finally, he handed her over to the prefect of the city, named Martianus. Together, they continued to beat and torture her throughout the day, but Barbara never renounced her Christian faith. By night, St. Barbara prayed fervently to her heavenly bridegroom, and the Savior himself appeared and healed her wounds. When the prefect and Dioscorus saw her healed wounds, they were surprised and even more angry. They subjected the saint to new and even more frightening torments. But she endured the sufferings, as the Lord gave her the strength and the courage to stand firm. The prefect then ordered her to be tortured in public. The soldiers took Barbara to the streets and started torturing her. In the crowd, there was a virtuous Christian woman, Juliana, an inhabitant of Heliopolis. Her heart was filled with sympathy for the voluntary martyrdom of the beautiful and illustrious maiden. Juliana also wanted to suffer for Christ. She began to denounce the torturers in a loud voice, and this angered the prefect. He ordered Juliana to be tortured along with Barbara in full view of the public. He thought this could be an example for anyone who wished to become a Christian. Both martyrs were tortured for a long time. Their bodies were raked and wounded with hooks, but both women stayed strong and firm in their faith. The prefect then ordered the soldiers to strip them of their clothes and parade them. Some of the soldiers were amazed at the courage of these two women. They admired their willpower and wondered whether they too should follow their faith. But the orders of the prefect had to be obeyed. They reluctantly started stripping the clothes of Barbara and Juliana. Through the prayers of St. Barbara, the Lord sent an angel who covered the nakedness of the holy martyrs with a splendid robe. The prefect was losing his patience and ordered the soldiers to burn them. But as the soldiers approached the women, the angel made the torches extinguish. This repeated many times, and the prefect decided to give up. Dioscorus decided to take things in his own hand and asked the prefect for permission to behead her. The prefect agreed, and both women were brought. And so did Barbara die at the hands of her own father. As the sword fell from his arms, lightning fell upon this cruel father and consumed him as he stood. The prefect, who stood along with Dioscorus, died in the lightning. As lightning appeared to revenge the death of Barbara, she became the protectress against lightning and thunder. Doubt and questions surrounding the history of St. Barbara caused her to be removed from the general Roman calendar, but not from the Catholic Church's list of saints. Last narration, he says, voluntary martyrdom. There's no such thing as voluntary martyrdom. They were persecuted for their faith in Christ. So I think even that story of St. Barbara itself reflects what happened to Christ 
and how he died, similarities of what the narrator was speaking about as how they celebrated on December 4th of St. Barbara Day. She refused to uh, renounce Christ and then even had a one of the shepherds that betrayed her to point out where she was hiding. So there's a lot of similarities between the story of Christ having a betrayal by one of the apostles, Jude, taken to be beaten and made an example of, and then ultimately crucified and resurrected from the death. After he died, the sky turned dark and God, uh, I think, I believe there was an earthquake, uh, I don't remember, but lightning, that whole scenario sounds very similar to what the St. Barbara story was, where the father ended up killing her, which in this story of Jesus kind of represent a similar of ultimately God the Father uh, sacrifices son for all of humanity. Um, but the demonic version is that the father ended up killing his own daughter, beheading her, and then was struck by lightning. So there's that weird oddity connection where I don't know if I really truly believe the story as is told of St. Barbara because it's starting to mimic a lot like story of Christ and taking a lot of elements of the father, the betrayal, the sacrificial lamb, into that story. However, the reason why I wanted to point this out is the story of Rapunzel has been so adapted and changed over the years from what even what the German folklore started, and that in itself was all demonically inspired, I believe. You know, having a couple who is pregnant and should be happy about their family ends up selling the baby to a witch just so yeah, they can eat some green lettuce. Come on, that is like totally demonic and crazy. And even then, after this upbringing by a demonic witch, having all the problems of, you know, like the Satans after the faithful, the saints, and having all the hardships, but it provides a happy ending that Rapunzel meets her man, the Prince Charming, ends up even having to suffer for to be able to get her and going blind and suffering the fate that he did and ultimately they found each other and had a happy ever after even in this story she ended up raising her twins uh, along which the whole idea of having twins is another source of witchcraft illuminati uses the twin births as part of their own sorcery and witchcraft kind of stuff that you'll see in the movies and the media all the time, especially the celebrities, you know, giving birth to twins. All of that's too symbolic of this witchcraft, satanic stuff that it's already embedded in the whole story, but ironically originated from a Christianity perspective, faithful martyr, even if you believe it, it's true or not, it did come from a storyline of someone who had the strength not to deny a faith of Christ and ultimately be killed for it. And then now move forward from 1500 from that crazy storyline all the way up till today where you will see Dunkin' Donut 
commercial and the woman is idolizing her prison for a cup of coffee, denouncing her Prince Charming released from her prison to be free in the world with the beautiful mountains and the beautiful trees, continually just wanting to stay exactly where she's at. So again, that just shows the sign of the times today where people are giving up their freedoms to live in a well-designed tower, this isolating tower that we all experienced in the last few years with the lockdowns. They much rather have what the government is telling them to have to keep their prison and they rather spiffy it up than deny their imprisoners and imprisonment and go out and be saved into the real world and with God. Nobody wants to do that. So I think the commercial is very appropriate. It shows exactly where life and women are today. They want to rule their own fate, exchange the freedom and salvation for very little. It's soup and in the story of Esau in the Bible, he exchanged his inheritance for a bowl of soup. It's the same thing happening over and over again. Thanks for listening. <music>